Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast, My name is Roy Biancolana, I am your host, and I have a special treat for you today. As you know, if you've listened to many episodes, normally it's just you and I having a conversation about life, love, and the pursuit of intimacy. But every so often, I have a guest. Like, for instance, I interviewed my wife. And that's because not only is she a special woman with a lot to share on relationships and you know, intimacy. Uh, she's also a therapist. So she she just has a lot to offer. And I interviewed her, her at one point. I've also interviewed, you know, my best friend and one of the leaders in consciousness in the world today, especially in the realm of conscious leadership, organizational issues, workplace issues. His name is Jim Dethmer. And so I, I've had a conversation with him. I also interviewed uh, a man named Scott Killaby. Scott Killaby is a powerful spiritual teacher that really focuses a lot of his work on addiction and on some of those core stories of deficiency we seem to carry. You know, we're not good enough, we're unlovable, unwanted. He has particular inquiries, a particular process for letting go of some of that some of that stuff that can really hold us back. And then I've exposed you to Michael Singer, my absolute favorite. He's written the book The Untethered Soul. And uh, so I played an audio clip from him. He doesn't do interviews, really. Um, so I played an audio clip from him just to expose you to him. Hopefully to encourage you to not only learn from the audio clip, but perhaps to get his book, perhaps to inspire you to you know reach out to his website and maybe purchase other audio recordings and so forth. And that really is my motivation behind having all of my guests or when I have a recording of a special spiritual teacher. I'm really wanting to expose you to them And I'm hoping that you go and buy their books and take part in their services and visit their website because I will not have anybody on this podcast that I don't believe is state of the art in their topic that is coming from the deepest, most conscious perspective. So you can count on that if I have somebody on this podcast, they've got something special to say and something special to offer. And so I'm hoping that you become fans of whoever is you know, on the podcast with me or when I play a recording as I'm going to do today. Today, I'm going to share an audio recording from the absolute master of masculine feminine dynamics. Okay? This is the leading voice in the world today and has been for about 30 years. His name is David Data, and he's written a bunch of books, I don't know, seven or eight books. 
He's got an incredible uh, library of audio recordings. He still does live workshops. And so I hope you fall in love with this guy. I hope you buy his books. His seminal work was called Intimate Communion. That's where he really gets into the depth of what masculine and feminine mean. Right? Now, my favorite of his books is a book called The Way of the Superior Man. It was written for men only on, you know, what does it mean to be an enlightened man? What does it mean to really engage with women and world and work? Okay, so if you're a guy and you have not read the book, The Way of the Superior Man, you are missing out. Okay, but I also want to let you know David's website. It is data.info. So it's D-E-I-D-A dot I-N-F-O. Okay, so visit the website. Look into his live workshops. Look into purchasing audio uh, recordings, look into his books. This guy is an absolute genius. Okay. Now what you're going to hear, uh, is he's going to spend about 20 minutes kind of establishing a foundation of what is masculine and feminine. Okay. Because those words are very loaded in today's culture. He means something very specific about them. Okay. So he's going to describe masculine and feminine, and he's also going to describe the three stages that each of those energies sort of shows up in the world as. So there's a first stage, masculine and feminine. And then there's a second stage, which is a little deeper. There's a second stage, masculine, feminine. And then there's the ultimate, the third stage, masculine, feminine. So for the first 20 minutes, He's simply going to lay that groundwork, and it's really important that you understand what he's talking about and the three different stages, all right? And then in the the last 10 minutes or so of the recording, he is taking questions live from the audience. In fact, the whole recording is done live, but he's taking questions from the audience, and and, and the questions are good, and they're very relevant and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. And so before I bring you David Data, I want to say that most likely this is going to raise questions. This is going to make you think. This is going to make you want to maybe have a conversation with me. That is sort of the purpose. I would love to follow up with you. I would love to explore how to apply what he's talking about to your life. So as always, the invitation out there is to reach out to me, Roy at coachingwithroy.com via email. You can use my cell phone and text me and we can set up a free conversation, which is 407-687-3387. Now, having laid all that, you sit back, Drop in, get present, because you're going to hear some very profound things. And now I bring you David Data. The domain is spirituality and sexuality. Um, The masculine and feminine within all of us look at those things really differently, really differently. 
And without acknowledging that, we get into trouble in our intimacies. And so one of the best ways to grow is to look at the differences between the ways the masculine and feminine grows and the stages they grow. And all of us have masculine and feminine within us, but we have it in different components. So you could look around. <laughs> it's an interesting thing to do. You could look around. And the more somebody is like um, Hawaii, radiant, full of life, glowing, the more they have feminine components to their being. You know, they also have masculine, but their feminine is in the forefront. They look like uh, the rainbows, you know. You could look around and see some rainbows, yeah? I, I'll only go as far as we go together. So are there any rainbows in the audience? <laughs> <laughs> and you could also look around and see some skyscrapers. And that's the masculine. The masculine the masculine in all of us is uh, well, the deepest place in our being. It's absolute consciousness. Eternal, infinite, no change, no motion, no sound, no color, no light, nada. And in fact, in many spiritual traditions, they called the masculine realization emptiness. Like in Buddhism, they just call it emptiness. Whereas the feminine is total fullness. So the idea of bliss for the masculine, if you've ever seen... Uh, I don't know, a man after an ejaculation or something. It's like, there's all this energy moving, he's gonna come, he's gonna come, and I was like, ah! And, <laughs> so, thanks for this <laughs> There's this kind of emptiness, finally, he's been relieved. <laughs> we all know that guy. <laughs> finally, he's been relieved of stress, of desire, of need, and he's just absolute peace and that's bliss for the masculine it's emptiness and he doesn't really want that interfered with you know if it was, just, just, just give me a second you know he wants to another form of masculine joy and emptiness is watching TV now everyone enjoys watching TV sometimes uh, he's one of those too <laughs> everyone enjoys watching TV sometimes but the masculine has a very specific way of watching TV I'm not talking about watching a, uh, like you sit down to watch a game or something I'm talking about the zoning out into bliss watching TV it doesn't matter what's on you wouldn't remember what's on even if someone asked you kind of watching TV so it's just and there's not it's really a kind of nothingness similar to post ejaculative peace it's a isn't it and I mean those two I don't know how many men would say I mean well, I, well, the ladies are laughing so they, they're at least admitting this about their men but that, that constitutes a fair amount of most men's bliss watching TV and ejaculating um, <laughs> and I'm not always sure which order <laughs> they come in but Things like actual spiritual practices from traditions, almost every spiritual tradition founded by men involved the same thing. Now, they didn't have TVs back then, and because women were considered evil for reasons we'll go into hopefully soon, um, men had to learn to relax into nothingness by themselves. So meditation was the most direct form of opening into emptiness. And so there are meditative techniques to let go of everything and be wide open Ness, wide openness. And the masculine loves that. So when the masculine meditates, it's like, don't bother me. And so you've got the Buddha meditating, you've got, you know, we could, we'll get into that if we need to, but in many spiritual traditions, men went off into monasteries and meditated in various forms or contemplated or prayed, whether it's a Christian tradition or the Jewish tradition. I mean, women weren't even allowed to be priests or rabbis or swamis um, because... No woman, well, I shouldn't say that. Very few women in their right mind would want to sit alone in a room by themselves all day. 
It wasn't that women were excluded because they were lesser originally. It's because why would a woman want to do that? The way the feminine grows spiritually is not into emptiness, but into fullness. So feminine forms of spiritual practices involved celebration and dance and music and communion, food, and so all of them together. And so feminine you know, goddess worship involved huge bonfires of people dancing naked and playing music and touching each other and eating delicious food and feasting and loving each other as a community. And their hearts would open and then the men would... You know, of course, you know, when it got to the point of the ladies, like, you know, really getting wild, the men would <laughs> peak, and that began the tantric tradition, but we'll get to that <laughs> hopefully in a moment. So, ma- masculine and feminine grow in different ways, very, 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 very different ways. Now, again, some of us, we have equal proportions within us, actually very few of us. Everyone likes to think they do because there's a fascist ideal these days that you're supposed to be balanced, which I hope to dismantle for all of you tonight. 10% of people, maybe, are, are balanced in their proportion of masculine and feminine. The rest of us would much prefer delicious lovemaking, delicious food, massage, and great conversation, or sitting alone in a room in silence. Perhaps watching TV. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting alone in a room in silence, by the way, is equivalent to something like rock climbing or skiing. You're alone, you're at your edge, there's nothing there. When you're down the slope, it's not like you're... Hey, every, you know, you're right there. There's no, nothing else. It's not, even though you might do it with friends, and, and it could be a fun thing to do with friends, the act itself is very, it's very, mm. especially the more dangerous, the more it is, the more masculine it is. And again, men and women can both enjoy that and do enjoy that. If women do it excessively, they become masculinized. If men do it excessively, they become rigid and we'll go into that. But it's like men who do too much massage. You all know massage therapists, men massage therapists who get like really soft. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, good. Because the, the feminine is a genius of energy. And so when you're doing massage, anyone doing massage, to do it well, you have to feel energy. You have to flow. You have to be sensitive to the person, flow with energy, conduct the energy of the universe through your body, through, if it's a really good massage, through their body. And that's a feminine capacity in men and women. Some men are better than women. Some women are better than men. Everyone has that capacity they could develop. But when men do it a lot... They end up doing so much of the energy flow through them that then they're coming home. Hi, baby. You know, what do you want to do? I don't know. Just let's flow. Let's do anything. I don't know. It's cool. You know, they, they become flowsters. They, they, I don't have to belabor that point and tell your idea. No. Okay. So you get these flowster guys, and of course, what happens then is the men, the women feel like, well, he's not being a man. I have to be a man. So the women kind of overemphasize their capacity to be someone. Someone being defined in masculine terms, usually career. But so what we get in these kind of cultures are very goal-oriented career women and flowing guys. No one's laughing. (laughs) So. That's not bad. That's a form of evolution over, you know, the old style of relationships in the 1950s, say. But there's a whole realm to grow into, which is what we're going to go into for the rest of tonight. And that realm involves keeping all the gifts we've developed, but growing to the next step. And the next step we don't have models for in our culture yet. We, we have very few role models as individuals. So we go, well, what's next? I could, you know, a woman might say, I could either be like a submissive housewife or I could be my own woman. There's not a real 
option that's obvious. And men go, well, I could do what I want to do and not have to deal with women, or I could, you know, compromise and kind of listen to her do things that she wants to do half the time. And so men tend to feel they have two options. They could be like jerks, or they could be these sensitive guys. But again, there's a whole other realm of being that we need to grow into. And that takes risking being able to open completely as a man or a woman. And what open completely means is open your body. So the difference between a tight body, and if I was talking to you guys like this, you probably wouldn't listen to too much I said. <laughs> or I could open my body, literally open it, let it be more transparent to all of you, let energy flow more in and out from everyone. So I could open my body, I could open my breath, so I could have a real closed breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm really thinking of doing tonight is I'm going to go. So my breath could be real tight. And again, I mean, you could feel what that feels like. How much do you trust me? If I'm, or my breath can be open, full, relaxed. My awareness can be closed relatively. That is, right now I'm feeling all of you, but I'm going to start doing multiplication tables in my head as I'm talking to you all. It's very difficult to do. And I start to be less with you. And now I'm going to start thinking of uh, the work that's on my desk and, and the multiplication tables while I'm with you. And now I'm going to be thinking about the bills that need to be paid, the work on my desk. and the So soon my attention gets trapped in these things and it's unavailable for all of you. You could feel that difference, right? Now that's true for each of us through our day. Um, the energy in my body that is offered to you all is my feminine gift to you all. And I have so much of it, there's plenty of people with more, but I could either open, be open with you or not. My masculine gift to you is how present I am with you all, undistracted. So when my attention isn't trapped in stuff, and is totally open with all of you. And when my bodily energy isn't trapped in stuff, tension, closure, fear, it could be totally with all of you. And when my body is with all of you and my attention is with all of you, then you can feel me. And you don't feel me as a person. You feel consciousness and light. You feel consciousness. It's your consciousness too. And light or the energy of the body. And it's your energy. You have the same energy. So the stage to grow into that I've been describing is about acknowledging that basically there's one being of consciousness and light, however you want to say it. You could even say conscious light, that we are. The, mas the more masculine parts of us emphasize the consciousness parts. The more feminine side of us emphasizes the light part of conscious light. That's why the more feminine you are, the more you care about your light. So you spend time in the mirror, and when you're looking in the mirror, you're really trying to see how much light is coming from me. How bright are my eyes? How bright is my skin? Feminine people could put on a blue shirt and look in the mirror and feel, mm, put on a green shirt, mm, you know, that does the energy a little different today. Yesterday was a different day. Every day is different. So the more feminine you are, the more sensitive you are to how able are you to adorn your light, to magnify your light. And that is your feminine gift to the world. And saints sometimes simply radiate light. I don't know if any of you have seen people like that. But every, when someone falls in love, they become totally radiant, right? You go, wow, look, you look great. I'm in love. They're radiating. So love is the feeling of light, and when you open in love, you open your body, you become radiant. And the, the feminine question is, am I radiant? Do you find me radiant? Dear, <laughs> you know, am I radiant? Now, 
I talk about three stages in all of my books. The first stage of feminine radiance is I'll do anything so that you find me attractive because all I am is my body and unless you find me attractive, I'm worthless. <laughs> and so the first stage feminine is am I physically attractive? You can sit here if you want. Over there. Tired of the front row. <laughs> the, the, first stage, the first stage feminine is how do I look? Because I want to look good. I want people's attentions. I want people to like me the way I look. And all of us, men, women, and every, everybody, has a part of them that's a first stage feminine. When you walk by a mirror, you kind of check yourself out, whatever, you check your ass. And you can... So there's nothing wrong with it. These are all stages within us. You'll see why I call them stages. The second stage feminine goes, Looks are superficial, and what's important is my mind. I want someone to want me for my mind and who I am. My looks are just not that important. And, and you, when you grow into your second stage feminine, you begin to act like it's not that important <laughs> that you're radiant. It's an act for the most part, because if you have a feminine heart, you're dying to be seen as light. That's what you are. I mean, it's not a neurosis. It's, you are light. To be acknowledged as what you are is just truth. So the first stage feminine is, I hope you find me radiant or I'm no good. The second stage feminine is, I don't need to be found radiant because I'm a successful person and, and the body, you know, as it ages, it gets less radiant anyways, and that's not really who I am, and it's only skin deep to begin with. <laughs> But inside, the feminine heart is still going, I am light, and I want everyone, especially my lover, to feel me as light, to see me as light, to know I'm light, to know I'm love. Love is light. The third stage feminine goes, I am light, and I am here to bless the world with my light. Period. If no one notices you, fine. You are here to bless the world as light, to literally radiate light into the world, to put love, to shine love, to give love, light, to, to create light in this room, to create light in your home, to create light at your job, your work, your career, in the city, in your community, to create light, to, to be light, to, to magnify light, which is love, to magnify light and love in the world, as the world, to realize that you are love and light, and that unless you are magnifying light and love, you will feel you are living less than you could. That's the third stage feminine. It certainly includes your body. So there's a third stage feminine art to adorning your body to help radiate light. Certain jewelry, cloth, anything could help you open and radiate your body. But you're not doing it because you need attention. There's a first stage part of you that does. But primarily you're doing it for the sake of others. As a blessing for others. It's very different when you look into the mirror and adorn your body as a blessing for others. And if you look in the mirror and adorn your body because if you don't look good, you feel bad about yourself and you need people to notice you. Can you feel the difference between those two? So the third stage feminine is a blessing of light and love. The first stage masculine remembers that quality of presence. I am here. I am with you. Um, to be present, you have to know your direction. So the first stage, because if I don't know my direction, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here. Um, 
you become ambiguous, and then I can't be present with you. So I have to know why I'm here. This has to be my choice to be here, which it is. This is where I want to be now. A man who doesn't know his direction, or a woman who doesn't know why they're where they are, they're ambiguous. I don't know. I think I want to be with you. Maybe. I don't know. At least today, for now. How trustable. So... The masculine presence is liberated by knowing your direction, your purpose. What is the purpose of being alive? If you can't answer that, then your masculine is underdeveloped. The first stage masculine, the purpose of being alive, is to essentially succeed. So the first stage masculine is obsessed with making more money, getting more power, political power, whatever they conceive power to be, um, creating strength in the body, basically dominating, succeeding, becoming victorious. And so the first stage masculine, just like the first stage feminine, you know, the, first, the proof of first stage masculine is like big wallet, first stage feminine, you know, big tits, and they go together. <laughs> they're, they're attracted to each other. And so so the, again, the first stage feminine is about look at me, the first stage masculine is like I win. Okay? It's a, it's a self-concern. Now, the fact is, all of us are also attracted to that. I mean, there's no doubt that a woman who's physically attractive is very attractive to every man, and a man who is extremely wealthy is very attractive to every woman. There might be things about them that you don't like, but it's better for a man to be wealthy than poor. It's better for a woman to be physically beautiful than ugly. I'm not knocking those things. They're just pretty low-level things, but they're real. Would anyone in here prefer a poor, ugly kind of... I mean, (laughs) there's a lot more than that, but thats it's just the way it is. Physical beauty and and money are are low-level signs of feminine radiance and presence. Then in the second stage, of course, men deny that they're out to conquer the universe, and so they get soft, and they get, you know, like, well, you know... I'm going to go to Bali this week and next week to Mexico and then I'm going to go to Hawaii. You want to come? I'm going to have a great time. Um, I'm just going to fly. I don't want to make too many plans because I've got, got to just go with things. You know, I've got to, you know, and I'll go with you if you want to go. I'm not saying you should go. You know, that's up to you. But if you want to come, I think it's cool. So the second stage masculine, just like the second stage feminine, if you remember, is like, I don't really care if I'm radiant, you know, but underneath it. Well, the first stage masculine acts like they're not in charge. They act like they don't have a strong sense of direction. They might actually denigrate their sense of direction. Like I mentioned the other time, a woman could be talking, the man could find it really boring, but instead of going, this is boring, you know, he'll be going... <laughs> you know, and women will, instead of saying, you know, I want to be radiant, they'll just go, no, I don't want to need to be radiant, not me. <laughs> no, no. So in the second stage, you tend to deny your first stage core. It's a, it's a normal form of growth because a man can only grow beyond being a macho jerk when he softens himself a little and a woman can only grow beyond being like a bimbo by having a direction in her life. So it's a good thing to grow into that second stage. It's only a partial growth. Now you've got bimbos with direction in their life and <laughs> macho jerks acting like sensitive men. But never, that's still, that's an improvement, you know. <laughs> The next stage, again, is for every individual to continue developing an opening. And the masculine, the third stage masculine, for instance, is the 
when you open as consciousness, you have an inherent direction to you that is so crystal clear and so strong, you, you don't think you are doing a direction, but it orients anyone you're near and it orients the universe around you to consciousness effortlessly. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Two people know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. I have to, okay, three, four. Let me say it again then until all of you understand it. In the first stage masculine consciousness, if I'm in the first stage masculine consciousness, I want you to know me. I want you to know I'm something good, rich, uh, powerful, you know, whatever. In the third stage, I am giving you everything. You might kill me for it. You might hate me for it. You might ignore me. It might be uninteresting to you. But I'm giving my absolute deepest gift in full consciousness, period, whether I'm recognized or not, whether I'm rewarded or not, whether I die for it or not, as Jesus did and so forth. To give your deepest masculine gift is to give consciousness not to the world, but as the world. That's a good question. The question is, if I hear it correctly, is, is what about people who either are at the same level, first, second, or third stage, or ones at a different level than the other in, in relationships? Uh, first of all, I would say that 90% of those times are misperceptions. That if you ask the circle of friends of that couple, that the person who thinks they're in the higher level isn't, according to the circle of friends if they're being honest. And I would say that eliminates 90% of those cases. <laughs> In the 10% of cases that are left, where authentically one partner grows, let's say, or one partner shrinks, so to speak, and there's a difference in level, then that's where this art that we've been describing becomes so important because these are magnetic levels. For instance, I could make all of you move into the first stage by me clinging to the first stage. If I pulled out a gun and demanded all of your money, which is about as first stage as you could get, most if not all of you would move into your first stage fear or maybe pull out your gun back or whatever it is. Or I could, I could resonate all of us into the second stage. I could talk about how wonderful and sharing is and let's all drum together and dance and enjoy ourselves. And we go, yeah, that sounds good. And you know, we could create this kind of second stage, men and women just being together and enjoying life situation. Or, which of what I'm trying to do is to hold pretty steady in a third stage to keep the conversation in all of our hearts as open into the third stage as possible, even though there's tendencies to not do that. So these are magnetic levels. The whoever is stronger in their level will pull the other one there. So if you happen to be the one at the higher level in the moment, it is your responsibility to maintain that place of openness in spite of your partner's whatever you want to call it. If you don't, it's very easy to collapse down to their level and fight at their level, or whatever you want to call it. Because it's very easy to then think you're at the third, let's say you think you're at the third stage, you think your partner's at the second stage, and if you have to say, what do I do about it, you're at the second stage. <laughs> so now you're not at the third stage anymore, and there's literally nothing you could do to move him into the third stage. Because you're not in the third stage. So you need to stay in the third stage. And what that means then is to stay open in devotional love. Devotional in the third stage sense. I mean, devoted to life, devoted as life, devoted as the universe, devoted as the heart made 
huge, devoted his love itself, and to stay in that openness. And if this poor pecker guy can't open into that, then you shouldn't be with him, or you should realize your life is a sacrifice to stay with this poor pecker while you open his love. You know? But that's, that openness is the only thing that will draw him up there. As soon as you go, you're in the second stage. It's over. There's no possibility of growing to the third stage because you're not in the third stage anymore. One measure of the third stage is that words are unnecessarily constraining. So if you find yourself trying to talk to your partner about how they're closed and how they need to open, you're in the second stage. Almost all, 99.99999% of all therapies are second stage therapies. They're about being whole, happy people. They're not about dissolving so that there's no sense of difference whatsoever. When you are truly in the third stage, does it matter if your partner's in the second stage? That's a great question. When you're in the third stage, truthfully, in the moment, which is a moment-by-moment thing, sometimes you are, sometimes you're not, you practice, then other people's closure does not collapse you. So your heart remains open as love even if your partner is closed. So in other words, your heart's open, your partner closes, I hate you, or something. You don't go, well, I hate you. <laughs> or, or you don't go, leave me alone. Okay? So in that sense, it doesn't matter. You stay open. But it definitely would hurt your open heart to feel somebody closed with you. And so you might stay open and go, hurt, cry, weep, and stay open. So here's this guy or whatever hurting you because he's closed. That would hurt. I mean, that, you know, you've seen pictures of Jesus with tears coming down his eyes and that kind of thing. I mean, when you're open, you experience everything much more deeply you have no barriers to the pain that unlove is. And so it would actually matter more his closure when you're in the third stage in the sense of how deeply you would feel that pain in your heart. Because you're an open heart and thorns hurt, you know. Closure hurts. You want him, you want everyone to be open. You are love and it hurts to feel someone refusing love. So it hurts tremendously, but it doesn't close you. So when someone hurts you and you can remain totally open with them showing the hurt, that's a third stage moment. When someone hurts you so you close down, that's a first stage moment. When someone hurts you and you talk about it, you're really hurting me in an effort to change it. That's a second stage moment. When someone hurts you and you just continue radiating openness and love and showing your hurt, because it hurts, Your eyes are open, your body is open, you're not like this, but your body remains open, your heart is open, and it hurts, and there are tears running. And here's a man now who can feel a woman wide open to him, and he is causing her pain. That's the ripest moment for a man to grow into the third stage with you. He can feel your openness, your heart and how he is hurting you. And it's only in that moment that he feels both the result of his asshole. You know, he's being a jerk, and it hurts you. He feels the pain he's causing, and he feels the invitation of your openness simultaneously. He's invited into this openness. It's just like sexually open. You know, you're inviting him into your heart. 
and you're not hiding how much he's hurting you. And when he can feel both of those at once, it's a very, very closed-on man who wouldn't open, or at least start to open into that, because he doesn't. no man wants to hurt you. If he's hurting you, it's probably because he's closed down. So when he could feel how he's hurting you, and he could feel your openness of love, he feels invited right in. Now the trouble is that most women, when they feel hurt, they think hurt is weak, and that what they need to do is defend themselves with anger. So the typical feminine response is hurt. <clears throat> now in that kind of situation, men who prefer emptiness to fullness anyways, they go, television, television. Boing to the television, you know. Men will, because they don't feel your openness inviting them, they don't feel them hurting you, they're totally dumbfounded. What the hell are you so angry at? Because they're usually totally unaware of what they're doing. So here's this guy, he's bumbling, he's unaware, he hurts you, he doesn't know he's closed. But he's hurting you. If you can show that hurt and the openness, he could go, oh, whoa. And come into you fully with love. If he feels your anger, all he knows is that you're angry. And he'll go, why? Why are you angry? That's what men are always asking. Like, what, what did I do? What happened? Why are you getting angry? Because he doesn't know. Why would you get angry? So you've got to feel how your primary response is being hurt. And catch that and allow that to show from your heart before you defend yourself in anger and punish him back for hurting you. Did you have another question? Did, you, did we address the question of the man's desire to worship the goddess and at the same time desire for freedom and well we addressed it I think it could be infinitely addressed but what is your question about that well I feel like at one point you were saying should we go there and we said yes and then we went off on to another what is your question um, in that that is probably even with a third level man those are the ultimate sides of him right worship the goddess be free. Exactly. So how, how do they connect? How does the third level man connect them? Are you asking that for your man or for you? I'm asking it in the sense that how would a third level man address that issue in a relationship? Why do you want to know? Because that would be the goal for... A man, but why do you want to know? Because that would be the goal for the kind of man that I want to be with. Okay, so that's a good question. So you want a man who what? I, I love the... I, lo- I do have a man who loves freedom, who freedom is very directly his mission. Right, life. right, of course, sure. And that is awesome. Right. I also want the goddess worshipped, and I also do experience... Well, you want the goddess worshipped, or you want him to be attracted to you? I... Both. Okay, good. Both, good. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that there is... I, I don't know... I. I think that's the challenge is how does he get to experience his freedom and experience worship the goddess and then not conflict in well one part of it is you never have to concern yourself with that because you have to be a goddess to give him a chance right so your side of that equation is to offer him your love and your openness just to give him the chance to choose between freedom and the goddess instead of between freedom and a whatever Fill in so the blank. They have to choose. Is that what you're saying that third level man has to choose? No, no, no. I'm going to get there. I just want to answer your the thing that's going to make a difference to you first before I answer what'll make a difference to him. Oh, okay. Okay. Or any other man. What'll make a difference to you is to give your fullest love all the time, whatever he's doing. 
And that's all you will ever be able to do. So I can feel your concern for him, and I'm going to ask, answer your question as directly as I can, but the important part for you has nothing to do with that answer. Because you're not giving him that opportunity yet. I feel that, and I do agree with you. That is important to me. Right. But now I'll answer it. Yeah. yeah. Only when a man realizes that his capacity to unite with the goddess and stay completely open is freedom are the two the same. So when a man feels like his capacity to stay open with you while you're angry, while you're closed, while you're sexy, while you're everything, and feel consciousness through all of that, when he realizes that in fact his running away from you is a form of lack of freedom, when he realizes that his search for any other moment but the present one is a lack of freedom. What freedom means is that I am openness now. And now, and now, and now. And if somehow a woman makes him feel unfree, there's no better place to practice than with that woman. (laughs) And when he can open with that woman, there's still no better place to practice than with that woman because the tests and the radiance you give him as a woman are going to be a lot more and deeper than, in general, than what nature, for instance, can give him. Much more challenging in different ways, obviously. So you, that would mean if such a man were like that, he would be happy with you and happy without you. Always. But that includes happy with you. And by happy, I don't mean glib. I mean deep. I mean happy with a capital H. He's free with you. He's free without you. And that's the kind of man you want. Now, in that, his desire for you is going to be largely based on your quality of energy. His sexual desire will be largely based on your quality of energy, period. And it's that simple, really. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.